Welcome to part two of the CHROSA podcast. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Oracle, a multinational technology company that offers a comprehensive and fully integrated stack of cloud applications and platform services. I think I have a follow-up question, which I think speaks to what you've just spoken about. Um, and it's with regard to early adoption and keeping the spirit of innovation alive amongst employees. I think this is kind of what many organizations struggle with. And I'd like to know um, maybe if you have an idea of how Microsoft manages to get that culture going. Yeah, it's an interesting question. And I'm actually not going to answer it in the way that may be expected, you know, in terms of, well, we're doing this, we're doing this, and we're doing this for our employees. So let me share it in a different way. Um, Firstly, there is no complacency about technology and certainly not AI, which is the newest and perhaps the most or the least understood technology. And it certainly is the defining tech of our time, but we're quite optimistic, right, about what it can do for people, for society, for industry, and certainly for the future. And if we go back to our roots, this company was founded on innovation, and it still is part of this business today, despite the different changes and evolutions that it's been through. And then you overlay this with our growth mindset culture, which really at the very heart of it means that we strive to be lifelong learners. Now, why am I sharing this? Is because learning is the key. It's It really, Sangrila, is less about the fact that we have technology. It's more about what we do with it, or better still, what good we do with it, how we've improved and how it improves the lives of others. So this links to our mission of empowerment, our culture, and importantly, having purpose, right? Because what we do must matter. And then the conversation shifts to the impact and the difference that we want to make and, and what we can make. And Dita said something quite interesting at the beginning. It's the difference between what we can and should do it and applies here. So Keeping it alive for us, so to speak, means understanding how we invest in and how we approach AI. So our investment in AI spans the entire company from research and the Azure AI platform for developers or data scientists to to the AI apps and experiences that we have. But important to remember is that it's all built on the foundation of and a commitment to responsible AI. And our goal in creating these tools is to make sure that we're augmenting the work that people do, you know, freeing up their time so that they can focus on more creative tasks so that they can be more innovative in their thinking. And more importantly, is making sure that these breakthroughs are available to everyone and that they are developed responsibly. I want to share very quickly three principles that our approach to AI is based on. And the reason I'm sharing this is because it will give you line of sight into what we do, which links to our mission. It then links to our employee purpose. And this is because of how the spirit of things are kept alive um, with our people. And the first, very quickly, is empowering people where we design, um, or rather our AI and tech is designed to benefit everyone, right? Whether you're in a workplace, a home office, a manufacturing facility, research lab, wherever. And it's empowering everyone from students to teachers or anybody working on-site or remotely. A few examples is we recently added an AI tool in Microsoft 365 that suggests more inclusive language. We're also, you know, using data and AI tools to help companies around the world find innovative ways to improve their manufacturing operations. Take the Swedish Swiss tech giant ABB. They use AI to predict when a machine is at risk of malfunction, potentially boosting 
the safety of, of workers. Now, coming closer to home, for many years, conservation farming has been taught and implemented in marginal areas cross-border uh, in the region of Southern Africa. And the Peace Parks Foundation is extending these practices on a larger scale by offering mobile devices, right, with a custom app that helps farmers learn the methodology and then measure the process and the progress, obviously, related thereto. So we partnered with them and we provided a grant to support uh, their move to the cloud. This was around 2018. And Microsoft AI for Earth then awarded them additional grants to, to support various aspects of their work, which includes a conversation farming app solution. And why this is important is because the AI for Earth grant helps them with access to the cloud, Microsoft Cloud, and the AI tools help to accelerate new work to expanding conversation farming. So the link I'm trying to make with empowering people is to show the difference that it makes in the life of others. The second one is meaningful innovation. And, you know, when we add capabilities to our products, such as Bing, which is our search engine, or we make AI tools available to customers, they're very, very often rooted in discoveries from our own researchers. And this research has led to many breakthroughs in the fields that include image recognition or machine translation, speech recognition, machine reading comprehension, and the most recent one, which is image captioning. And this is important because image captioning breakthrough is being incorporated into products, including Azure Cognitive Services, right, or Microsoft Word. Why is that important? Because our seeing AI app for people who are blind or have low vision are aided by this technology. And maybe this one's worth mentioning. You know, we also play a role in development of something that we call Microsoft Premonition, which is actually aimed to help predict pandemics, very similar to how we predict the weather. And as the models get larger and more complex, they require more and more powerful computing. And the last principle is about, I don't think we can talk enough about this, eh? responsible AI, and here specifically AI for good and our COVID response model. So we've been investing quite significantly in AI for good, which gives a lot of funding to tech and expertise to individuals so that they can solve bigger problems, not you know insular problems, but bigger problems, environmental challenges or AI for accessibility in terms of seeing AI. And, you know, hopefully this demonstrates the opportunity that we have to have an impact and make a difference in the lives of others. Because behind all of this stuff that I've just told you is a person, there's empathy, there's compassion, there's desire. And when you link this to our mission and our culture, this keeps the spirit of innovation alive and our employees very engaged. So, uh, I hope that that golden thread makes sense. Thank you, Jasmine. And it does. Dita, speaking on innovation, you know, one of the reasons I asked you to join this conversation is that you work at the Academy to Innovate HR. And I wasn't quite sure what you do, but I had a sense that you'd be perfect for this kind of conversation. Can you clarify what AI HR does? And then maybe I'm add a little bit more onto what Jasmine said about, you know, how to keep that spirit of innovation alive among employees? Sure. So, Sangula, the Academy to Innovate HR is the world's largest HR-focused online training and development provider. And our goal is to continuously upskill 100,000 HR professionals to be ready for this future that we've been talking about today by 2025. So, to give a little bit of background, the business was started five years ago, and it grew from being a blog on people analytics and data analytics and have since grown into a full software as a service provider 
And we've got more than 40 courses that are accredited by SHRM and RHCI globally around building the skills of tomorrow's HR professionals. And I think to link it into what Jasmine has mentioned, we've identified from our own research at AIHR that we believe that the future fit HR professional is somebody that is business relevant, which does stretch beyond the traditional understanding of business acumen. It is a professional that is data literate and it can use data to influence evidence-based HR practices. It is somebody that is digitally savvy and understands the opportunities that digital provides in the workplace and for employees. Whilst on the other end, still remembering that the H in human resources stands for human and that there's also some human centricity that we do need to think about in terms of this world as well. So linking into Jasmine's point, I think it is about how do we make sure that people are curious about the future? You know, I think one of the biggest things that kills innovation is firstly, if people feel overwhelmed, or secondly, if they just lose interest around in terms of what is happening beyond their immediate environment. And one of the things that we try to do is to say, but what are those conversations in the HR community that we do need to make sure that people remain curious, that people remain up to date, and that we help each other around how are we going to shape the role that HR plays in this world that we are creating through AI and through other technologies as well. So for me, what we try to do at AIHR is through a variety of mechanisms and methods and platforms, really try to provide opportunities for HR professionals to reskill themselves, to transition into this new world, whilst also aiming to shape the conversation by partnering with various organizations and to make sure that we've got a critical role to play as an HR profession in this future as well. Just my last point there also is, I think Jasmine sparked a, an idea with me as well. You know, when she asks the question around, you know, when do people innovate and when do people adopt? Something that I've seen from my perspective quite a bit around the adoption of new technologies is that unfortunately, at times, HR is some of the biggest kind of naysayers or barriers to real digital adoption in organizations. And there's various reasons for that. And I think we need to understand where does that fear come from so that we are able to equip our HR communities with the skill sets that they can be early adopters, but also champions of the schools, as opposed to, you know, kind of being fearful of, of where the direction is going. And that, as I've mentioned, is for various reasons, whether it's about you know, technology is replacing me or don't quite know how to utilize it or I, I can't support it, I can't answer the questions. I think there is work that we first have to do at home as an HR community so that we can also then engage in the broader conversation in the organization and be able to shape that as well. So I think that's that's really for us, you know, important around that. So how do we how do we equip ourselves? How do we make sure that we are enabled? And then how do we then deal with others um, around the path forward? Thank you, Dieter. Claudia, you know, as we've heard from Dieter and Jasmine, the hunger for AI in the workplace is not the problem. In fact, I think most business leaders agree that it's necessary if organizations are to grow. However, where there is some tension is around which solutions to incorporate for the business first. How do organizations navigate that push and pull within the company business of, you know, deciding what they should be prioritizing? Because these solutions aren't cheap. That's a very pertinent question, Sangula. So it gets back to the point that Jasmine raised about leadership, the skills that leadership need and the skills that leadership are going to need to take this forward. And the reason I say that is because I don't believe that companies embark on a journey of AI 
in, in any formal function without having an AI strategy, without understanding what is the business requirement, what is the problem they are trying to solve by using AI? Is it because every other organization is doing it? It's currently a buzzword. Or exactly what are we trying to solve as an organization now? And the second thing is, is whose responsibility is that? Does it sit in IT? How is IT going to know about AI for HR? How is finance going to, I mean, how is IT going to know about AI for finance? So I think that's the tricky thing is the boundaries within organizations are becoming blurred, which, you know, this, this comes back to the differentiating of roles, which, which again, Jasmine mentioned. I mean, some jobs didn't exist. The jobs that do exist now are changing. I mean, as we are sitting in these jobs, they're changing. The requirements for the future have changed. So, you know, IT and HR and finance, they're all becoming interlinked. And that's the criticality of of leadership developing an AI strategy across the organization because it needs to be effective. It needs to be, and once again, to get back to what Dita and Jasmine said, we need to do something that's good for everyone. This cannot just be a strategy because it's in budget. We need to move on. Everyone else is doing it. We need to know as organizations, What are we going to do with this? This is very powerful to have AI. And it's increasingly powerful because it hasn't yet been defined fully. You know, people are coming up with new things every month, every week. And that's, you know, if we take the Netflix model, if we take, I can give you, I mean, we talked to Alexa, we talked to Google. I mean, my phone says to me, well, when I was driving to the office, it would say, there's traffic, more traffic today. You need to leave 15 minutes earlier. These are things that we now take for granted. And how do we make it useful? How do we make it useful? And how do we make it add value? So I guess we need to understand what this means for the business. So there's got to be a guiding strategy. And that guiding strategy will define how to navigate the push and the pull because, you know, the, the, the critical success areas will come to the fore. And I think it gets down, you know, if we take it to an actual operational level, what does that mean? How do we understand where and how we should apply AI in organizations or whatever it is, machine learning, robotic process automation, whatever the case is, you know, we need to look at, as I mentioned earlier, high volume repetitive tasks. You know, there are, there are tasks, for example, if people are applying for salary advance and certain information needs to be verified, are you eligible? What is the amount that can be done? This takes a lot of time. And this can so easily be done by a robot. You know? And once again, not to say that we're taking tasks away, but we're enabling people to be freed up to do other more high-value tasks rather than high-volume tasks. So my advice to organizations would be to have a look at your processes, understand what the high-volume tasks are, what the repetitive tasks are that can easily be allocated to, to, to robots. And another element that's quite often overlooked is look where the bottlenecks are. Sometimes we see bottlenecks, we understand that they exist, but we don't think how we can solve them. Look at that. If you need to change processes, if processes can be automated, if policies can, whatever the case may be, just look look into firstly, what are we doing? What are we doing right? And what are we doing wrong? And what could we be doing better? So I think that'll also highlight where the critical quick win areas can be for AI. And not that everything needs to be quick win, because this is something that, you know, it's it's not a journey to artificial intelligence. It's almost a journey through artificial intelligence um, because it's going to be ongoing. As we figure something out, something new is going to develop. If we figure something out, another organization will have a different requirement and we need to adapt. 
And all of that needs to be managed within the organization. And it ultimately comes back to what Jasmine said about the leadership skills. So how do we do this? How do we allocate budget and how do we roll it out to have the maximum value impact on any organization? And again, it's, I mean, you know, I can talk about HR things, the great resignation, the great reshuffle, whatever you'd like to call it. How do we attract talent? How do we retain it? We use AI. There can be nudges in the learning space, learning management space. We can, AI can prompt employees to complete tasks or, or learnings or whatever the case may be to grow their career, grow their development. There's things, opportunity marketplace where employees can almost shop online for internal project gigs or tasks that, that will be suitable to grow their careers, elevate their personal brand and give them some degree of growth in the organization that fosters the environment of innovation and really constant change in order to remain relevant as an organization. So while I understand that the subject of AI, machine learning, RPA is exceptionally broad, I think the onus is on the leadership to be able to funnel this and identify exactly what they need to use it for, how it will benefit them and how it will benefit their employees as well as their customers, et cetera, et cetera. So ultimately, I think, you know, the AI strategy and then the deployment of that strategy is critically important to make an impact. Thank you, Claudia. Uh, I'm going to ask each of one of you for a parting shot uh, before we close this podcast. Dita, if you could just uh, maybe summarize for us, I'm particularly interested in what you were saying about how, you know, HR professionals have to take the onus upon themselves to really learn about what skills they need in order to thrive in this current world of AI. Um, do you have any advice for somebody who's probably listening to this and wondering where do they get started? You know, I think it was Peter Drucker that said, you know, the best way to create the future is to shape it yourself. And I think for anybody listening to this podcast, I think what is important is that you take a step back and also understand, but where do you fit in the story, if I can put it that way? And I think it is important for everybody to reflect around the fact that it, reinvention is difficult. And it's difficult if you've been used to doing things in a particular way, and now you need to start evolving and looking at other opportunities. But I think it comes back to a mindset shift around saying, but this is actually an opportunity for all of us, as opposed to something you know, that I have to do, otherwise I'm going to become irrelevant. So I think a good starting point is a bit of self-awareness and self-reflection around, you know, where do you find yourself now? And, and be honest about, you know, where do you think the biggest opportunities for you lie and how can you get started? And that would be almost my second piece of advice is to say, just get started. Dive into this. You will never know until you open yourself up to participate in this movement and where this movement is going, because it's not going to go away. So I think as an HR professional, embrace what is coming um, around the corner. And, and really for me, there's three things to remember. The first one is be intentional about you know, where you spend your time and your focus. Be meaningful. I think Jasmine spoke about that beautifully earlier to say, you know, make an impact. The things that we do does have to matter. And then the last one, remain curious. Because if you remain curious, I believe that you will evolve with where the world is going and be able to also find your, your part and your, your character in that story. Thank you very much, Dieter. Jasmine, any kind of summarizing thoughts from your end after what you've heard today? Yeah, well, just, just firstly, thank you to my colleagues because I've learned so much through their sharing as well. I think the one thing that I would leave with is just let's have responsible conversations. And I'm not specifically just talking about the work environment. You know, our lives are really heavy, hey? We're dealing with stuff that we haven't dealt with before. The home lives are changing, roles in the home are changing, 
certain new roles in the workplace are changing. So there's a lot happening. And we really do need to use our voices to speak responsibly, especially where, and I think the three of us are blessed today, right, to have this leveraged position to give a view and to speak in a one-to-many forum. And it's really important to use your voice responsibly, speak as simply as possible. Don't add to the anxiety. Don't add to the fear because there's enough. I tell you now at Microsoft in my role, the more I learn, the more I realize how little I know which means it's progress over perfection, right? It's it's not about, I have to get it all done. I have to be perfect. Just have fun. And, and I love what Dita said, try it on, just start. So that would be my parting comment. Thanks, Jasmine. And last but not least, Claudia, um, what do you have to leave the listeners with uh, today? Sangula, so I would like to just touch on that anxiety and fear that people are experiencing and how we as an HR community need to play a role in, in alleviating that because we do have a lot of employees that we can reach and that we can impact and that we can touch. And even from an AI perspective, you know, Oracle did a survey and across 10 countries and 68% of those employees responded that they would rather speak to a robot about mental health issues rather than an HR person or their manager. Now, this is not to say that the robot is going to become a counselor or a therapist or whatever else, but we need to make this information available to our employees. So it's once again, 24-7, if I need to know where I can find therapy or I can be counseled or I can, whatever the case may be, that needs to be available to our employees. And we are very fortunate to be in the situation where we all work for very forward-looking organizations and we've learned a lot of lessons. So I think, you know, we have a responsibility to other organizations to impart our knowledge of the lessons that we've learned and what we can do to help people be better, to help people understand. I mean, the world we live in the moment is seemingly gone crazy. How do we help people to make sense of this? How do we make people, you know, more resilient? <laughs> I read a quote the other day that said, I'm tired of being complimented on being resilient. I want to live in a world where we don't need to be resilient. So, you know, I think that's what it is. We need to make it okay. And whether it's for our family, for our friends, for our whatever, we've, we've got the technology now and that's what we need to do. We need to be responsible and we need to make it count. We need to make everything we do purposeful for everyone around us. So I guess that's just it. You know, as HR, we touch every single person in the organization and that's a big responsibility. And we need to consider very strongly before we, we take any actions that impact every single employee. And once again, it's a wonderful platform for us. You know, we, we definitely are in a very fortunate position to be able to elevate our employees through, through the actions we take. So, yeah, as Dita said and Jasmine said, have fun with it. Figure it out. No one knows all the answers. Just get going and see what you can do. Thank you. Thank you very much to you, Claudia, Dita and Jasmine. And that's the end of this episode of the CHRO South Africa podcast. I'd like to take one more opportunity to thank Oracle for making this very special conversation happen. I think we all learned a lot from the three of you. And that's it from me signing off until the next time. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Oracle, a multinational technology company that offers a comprehensive and fully integrated stack of cloud applications and platform services.